This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. And we are back on the the number one Catholic Movie Guy podcast in all of human history. I'm joined nice. I'm joined this week by everyone's favorite co-host, Bo Bonner. Well, not everyone's, right? Tim still has a special place in his heart for himself, correct? Yes, for Tim and his uh, cohort cohort of villains, uh, I guess you're the second favorite co-host. All right, all right. That sounds but, fair. <laughs> uh, but Bo is a very distinguished uh, Catholic uh, fellow, and he is a, a professor, and he's uh, the host of The Uncommon Good on Iowa Catholic Radio with our good friend Dr. Bud Marr. And uh, I understand that his reach, his influence has expanded recently, so... Oh, yeah. So, you know, we have been playing um, Southern Iowa, uh, where the Diocese of Des Moines is, and then you could always hear us online, but we are now officially airing on 10 stations in Oklahoma, my home. So my mama and all of her uh, relatives, if they can get out of the holla or the the bars long enough, they can come listen to the radio show. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're dual state now. It's kind of cool. That's fantastic. And and, and your, your own hood, so that's, that's, that's a right. big deal. Um, I just want to remind everyone before we get started, I usually forget because I don't like to toot my own horn publicly. Uh, please like my podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes, um, five stars only. Somebody left a non-five-star review. I think it's one of the people I offended by liking Ladybird, which I understand. <laughs> but uh, please, please uh, like the podcast. It doesn't bring me any money, but it brings me infinite, and you, the listener, happiness. Um, today we're going to mainly discuss... Uh, a movie that's getting a lot of buzz lately, A Quiet Place. Uh, but I, before we get into that, I want to assure everyone that we're not going to spoil the movie till the end, so I will give a spoiler warning before we get into plot depth. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's very much like Signs. I don't think that the the spoiling of it ruins the movie at all. No. I mean, in many ways, it might help you to focus on what's great about the movie. But if you don't want to know, of course, I understand. Wait till the near the end of the podcast. We'll give a warning. Before right. that, though, we also saw uh, another movie that's getting a lot of buzz, and that's the uh, the death of Stalin. What did you think of that one, Bo? Spoiler alert in the title, by the way. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, this just uh, in: Stalin's <laughs> still dead. Stalin, Stalin, in fact, died. <laughs> uh, so this is a movie that I really wanted a lot more, like a lot more than I did, and I didn't hate it. You know, I think the problem is sometimes. You know, when you're going to make a satire or a black comedy, you, you have to make some, like, real definitive choices, like, in the beginning, and then see them through the entire way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to, like, be willing to, like, go into overdrive with whatever you're doing. So, if you're going to, you could either be really historical about this and try to, like, you know, play the, the dark humor straight, like, just kind of show what actually happened and like you know kind of focus on the insanity of it all or you can basically like make it a myth and not care one ounce about how historically accurate you are mm-hmm. and then you're going to like almost play it up for even like more like and, and then it would be funny because you're being yuck yuck about like insane things I, I kind of feel that this film didn't really know it didn't make those choices at the beginning so there's some parts that are absolutely hilarious and just golden um, but I don't know about you, especially by the end of the film, I thought there was just some real uh, tonal shifts that didn't make sense for what they were doing. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, I don't like to uh, I don't like to be in lockstep. I want to be Stephen A. Smith to your Max Kellerman or whatever. But uh, 
as usual, I agree. I, I, I mean, I didn't hate it. It was. I would even say it was good. It was entertaining. I, I wasn't bored, but it, I don't think it hit the mark in either direction, like you said. And I don't know. And you know, I, I, it prompted me to go to the Wikipedia page, which right. is not <laughs> great, and brush up on it. And I mean, I think they captured, and I sense it as I watch it, the spirit of of truth in in how that played out. But no, it wasn't accurate at all as far as the mechanics and. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what they're going for, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna go for that and eschew history, then fine, but make it you know like laugh out loud funny. I, I don't think it was ever that either. Yeah, and that's exactly my. I could imagine um, a, a a death of Stalin version that like didn't care at all about you know the history of it. But then you're figuring they're making big changes in order to really set up you know bits or plot mm-hmm. reversals or whatever. But in many ways, I, like I don't want to give too much credit to any like Stalinist scholars or the stuffy people, but the, the, the open question of like, why do you make really big revisionist changes talking about history? Everyone knows I, that's an interesting enough question. I'm not trying to make movies, you know, too dorky. I know that, you know, you just want to go to the flicks and enjoy your popcorn. But um, if you're going to make a movie about a historical era that everybody knows about, like, I don't know, you, it would seem like you would have made, really big historical shift changes in order to make the movie funnier. The only person I thought that it made sense was uh, whoever the field general was, who evidently, by the time Stalin died, was already, like, in Siberia. No one cared about him. But uh, that character was hilarious, and so I I was okay with that one. Yeah, and I mean, and I I think, you know, it was very well made. It was, there's no, like, real flaw I can point to in the direction. All the actors were very good. But it just didn't um, didn't move me like I was hoping it would. Yeah, same here. So I mean, I would I, give uh, it. I don't know what your what your rating would be, but I would give it say maybe like a six, something like that. I would recommend seeing it, but no rush to go to the theater. You can check it out on video. Yeah, I would say that too. Five point five to six, and like uh, yeah, it, it will be on um, some streaming service at some point. And then uh, you know when you when you want to have a good old chuckle at uh, mass murderers, uh, go ahead and check it out. My favorite thing is I was talking to my a Russian friend I had, and he said it's an Italian film. That's That was his explanation for it, um, so I thought that was pretty funny. No problem, but I believe they prefer comrade, Russian comrade you had. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, so, so light recommendation there. I also want to mention that I saw Isle of Dogs, and it was just fantastic. And I'm not, I'm not I mean, I'm a Wes Anderson fan, but I'm not like a, a fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did love it, and Bo is going to see it. We're going to podcast about that probably early May is my guess. Oh, yeah. Um, but I couldn't recommend it enough. And I also, uh, I was that guy who took my kids to it. I know it's not it's not a kid's movie, but it's also not a not-kid's movie. Right. Uh, there's no real objectionable content except for some, some light-hearted uh, mating discussion as far as dogs go, but nothing, uh, nothing too untoward. But I was that guy. Everybody was looking at me, all these hipsters with their... <laughs> <laughs> lumberjack shirts and glasses which i was also wearing so uh yeah that's, so nice. that's fine but the kids liked it so that was good that's a good question how much uh how many people had their looms with them and no. <laughs> anyway so now to the uh, the main course uh, a quiet place so i can never pronounce this guy's name so jim from the office what's his yes. name john how do you say it bo uh krasinski krasinski let's go with that um, he plays the father of a family, and his wife, Emily Blunt, pay, plays the mother, and it's set in a, a 
post-apocalyptic? I don't know. Twenty, a few years in the future where these aliens have taken over the Earth. That's apparent. Well, we're not sure it's aliens. We're yeah, yeah we're sure. It. We're sure. And that's, well, no, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> no, no, no. no, yeah, no I'm, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. To already sidetrack, one of the things that I think is great, and I'm, I'm glad when horror movies and even sci-fi movies do this, like, there's such an idea, you, know, uh, you know, everyone wants to do CGI or, like, like explain stuff. And they did, and they're just like, yeah. We're, we're all toast, and here's these creatures, and we're not even, sh- you know, the, the, the audience doesn't need to know how they got there. It's just, you know, bam. So right. I was, and the, so the, even that I thought was pretty awesome. The English major in me is going to is gonna fight back. I mean alien in the sense of the other, the classical yeah, sense. So there you go. Yeah, you win. We've been visited by some unknowns, and we're trying to figure out what's going on. But you're right. Again, like almost every successful horror movie or thriller, it's not really a horror movie, I wouldn't say. Um right. The, 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 the tension and the fear comes from the unknown rather than the known. And so you're just kind of thrust into the middle of this thing, and uh, it's very successful. What's very clear early on is that the aliens do not see. They rely on hearing and some sort of a supersonic hearing, hence the name of the quiet place. So the family has to communicate in sign language, which conveniently they know because one of their daughters is basically deaf. And uh, tragedy and hilarity ensue, am I right, Bo? Yeah. <laughs> Hilarities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you were talking about like not wanting to uh, to ruin this. It's any. It's like you said. There are there are plot points that are fun to kind of like learn in the moment. So that's why you shouldn't spoil them. But I'm with you. Like this movie, I, I think we could like go from minute one to the end and explain all it to you, and then say like you still have to see it because they really do pull it off visually. Uh, it, and, and precisely because they have to talk so little, uh, that like even just you know ruining the quote unquote plot points um, would not ruin the movie in any way. That's how good of a movie it is. One of the the fun things that I noticed while watching it, uh, you know, when you watch a normal movie, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm trying to now that I'm the Catholic movie guy. Now that I just dub myself that, trying <clears> to look at things from a more um, creator's perspective. But when you're normally watching a movie, you don't always notice the music cues and the and the things in the score, things that sound effects, you know, things that just kind of wash over you because you're focusing on the dialogue and the plot. And in right. this movie, with, when you take away the, the dialogue, it really, like, every noise in the house, the you know, how they have to deal with the rolling of a, of a die, how they, um, when they do have music, there's a very incredible, incredible scene where, um, I don't even remember his actual name in the movie, it doesn't matter, when father and the mother are sharing a moment uh, on the iPod and they each have one earbud in, and the way the music floods from the one one person's earbud into the other and becomes full, just stuff like that 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 really allowed them to do some interesting things you don't normally see and notice. And to show that like Jim from The Office knows what he's doing, oh, you yeah. have you have like one song, and it's Neil Young, and uh, you know you know that he knows what he's doing because that Neil Young song was perfect. Yes. And like you said, just how it went from like. Uh, you know, blending together to both of them and like the, you know they're dancing and stuff like that. You're like, kids, that's 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 how you do the romance. Exactly. And how do we know Neil Young's good, Bo? Because Bob likes him. That's why. Okay. <laughs> um, good enough. Sidetrack. Yeah, everyone's interested in Bob Dylan podcast. Anyway, uh, excellent beard on on Jim from The Office, by the way. Uh, I didn't I know, know that he could pull that off. You know, honestly, I, I haven't seen 13 Hours. A lot of my friends have recommended. It. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I'm not. But I, I always thought, you know, he's a competent actor. But I thought in this movie he kind of transcended what I what I thought previously his abilities were, and uh, that's always a pleasant surprise too. 
Yeah, you know, the few times he gets to talk, I was like, he doesn't even sound like Jim anymore. <laughs> he's yeah. grown into a man, even though Jim presumably was a man. But it seems somehow like he's grown up, is all I'm saying. And I want to say that, you know, the Stephen Gradanis, who uh, I, I find myself more and more disagreeing with his reviews, but I've always, you know, looked up to him, decentfilms.com. Uh, he, he really nailed his review on this one, which is the, the key to this movie is, I think, the family, right? Okay. And that's a family that that you uh, you understand it's real. It's not a perfect porcelain family or anything like that that you would sometimes see in say a uh, you know one of these fireproof kind of movies or, or whatever. You know that, yeah. that yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. People that don't look like they would live a real in real life. Um, but nevertheless, it's clear that they're a Christian family. They they have a nice moment where they pray silently before a meal, and. It's the kind of family you want your family to be, even with its flaws, you know? And, and I think right. that's what really keeps your attention throughout the movie, because if you didn't care about the family, the movie wouldn't be nearly as tense and interesting. For instance, I completely forgive them that they have a character named Bo, but they spell it B-E-A-U. French, you know. French Bo, yeah. No, but like, so I know that this is just plagiarizing from Bishop Barron, but... I'm with him that it, it can't be inconsequential that they named this family the Abbots and they sort of live a monastic lifestyle. I mean, either either they meant to do that or that's just one of these, like, cosmic providential, you know, everything working out because that's exactly right. Like, And, and you don't think about their names because, yeah, like, Lee Abbott is, like, the father Abbott, right? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, so it, 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 and so it goes both those ways. It's like this is a family – but then if you're going to really dork out, it even carries over the, you know, the, the monastic impulse, right, is a monastery, is a family, too. And, you know, they even, like, extended families where you have the scenes where, like, you know, they light the uh, the fires every night to see who all is still alive or whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really interesting as well. And like you said, it just, it, it just pervades the movie in subtle ways. And it precisely... I mean, nothing. none of this ever really hits you over the head with a shovel, and that's what I think is also great about it. Right, and, uh, you know, just, yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a family applying the rule of St. Benedict under these circumstances in, in, a, in a way that, that's very believable. But one of the things that occurred to me, I, I think this is, it might be an original thought, which I don't usually have. Uh, there's a scene in this where the mom is, you know, it, they have to homeschool. Obviously, they can't leave their house because of the, the visitors that will demolish them you know they only leave to to train and to get food and things that are absolutely necessary um she's like she's like homeschooling uh her her child and there's in the background there's a shakespearean uh i don't remember if it was a sonnet or something from a play on the, on the i think it was a sonnet and it got me to thinking about homeschooling right and i think this movie is a great metaphor i don't i'm not saying it was intended at all for christians you know this whole this whole benedict option thing which has its own problems but yes. that idea in the 21st century i think it, it really hit me it's like you can these these others outside are trying to destroy your family you go out as you need to you have to interact with the world but you also have to be careful, right? You can't just uh, pop off and willy-nilly go out there unprepared. You have to slowly, in this cocoon, this this womb-like setting of the family, learn how to interact with the outside rule, world, the rules, what's important inside the home to transmit, you know, both spiritual and 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 uh, temporal, and then you're able to go out and interact with the world. And I, I just, it really, really struck me that, wow, this, this movie is, is a great metaphor for that. Am I, am I way off here, or is that okay? No, 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 so, <laughs> I, 
Okay, I won't I won't spoil it exactly, but I'm I'm gonna like I'm gonna give someone some some of the people out there uh, relief. Uh, you might read from some of the kookier websites that this uh, movie is. I think the quote was a love letter to the NRA and the pro gun. <laughs> now this this is hilarious because guns show up in two scenes mm-hmm. maybe and i like i said i'm not gonna ruin it for you because we'll talk about spoilers later but um uh, you know even me like just going i wanted to see the movie but you, you read that and you're all like oh maybe there's a lot of guns but there's not at all so if they're going if you wanted to make like this sort of like this is a culture warrior movie which uh i think that like I think like 20 years later when people rightly watch this movie uh, like in film class because of, you know, I think just how unique it is in, in, in its use of silence. I think a lot of people like in the future, unless they were alive now, will miss how this is supposedly political. Mm-hmm. However, I think that you're right. Like I, the, the sort of political talk, if there's any, the sort of political read on this is, okay, the importance of family, home is safe. Uh, you can go out in the world, but you need to be careful what you say or the noises you make, right? If mm-hmm. you, you know, we, we can't speak too loud or the other will hear us. Yeah. And the only places that we're ever able to actually talk to each other, one is in nature, right, by a waterfall, mm-hmm. uh, or the other is actually the marriage bed, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in, in this way, you know, specifically uh, with a child, right? So, you know, do any of the, did they mean to do that, right? Did they mean to really choose the only two or three places people talked? I don't know. I mean, maybe. Uh, but I'm thinking you're right. At the very least, uh, and I was reading an article where Jim from The Office said this, he's just happy that he made a movie that got discussions rolling, right, to talk about what would it mean. Um, and, and I think it puts it in a better relief than any, even something like the Benedict Option, because it's easy to talk about, like, strategic retreat when we all have, you know, electricity and uh, can watch whatever we want on Netflix. But they're not like I – mean, what's funny is they're not retreating, right? They're at their home, but they have to retreat, you know, from the, the world of sound, as it were. And it just starts to be really interesting to think about that. Like, who who can survive such difficulties? And it's just going to have to go back to strong families. I don't know yeah. how you get around that, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I – and, you know, we talked about this on your show and you talk about all the time with the, the public nature of art and the, the common good. This is a movie that is never in any way explicitly – it's barely explicitly Christian. They could be saying any prayer. It's definitely not you know explicitly Catholic or anything. But right. it is a Catholic movie because – I think I think we can say this without spoilers. You know, it's 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 all about you, you know a strategic um, home base of, of a domestic church, and then um, self-sacrificial love when interacting. You know, beyond that, um, I mean, I I, I just uh, I don't understand how people. You know, people want you. And this is another good point. This is totally sidetracked, but everybody's watching every movie with an agenda. You know, you could right. not watch this movie honestly and say it's an NRA movie or anything other than that. No, not, um, not at all. <laughs> and you know, the most you can say is it's a it's it's a lo- it's a love letter to to family, I guess. Yeah. Um, and of course, it's very pro life too. I mean, one of the major plot points is that the mother is pregnant, and uh, that's obviously a huge danger for many reasons. But in a in a world where you're supposed to be noiseless, the sound of giving birth and then of course the baby after birth are serious dangers. And nevertheless, it's never looked at 
by the father, mother, or anyone as anything but an obvious good that she's pregnant right. and going to have the baby. It's a pro-sound movie, too. It's exactly... No, no, it's anti-sound. Anti-sound, We're supposed to be... Right. Pro-visual. It's pro-mime is what it is. The mime lobby has... The mime lobby has gotten to Hollywood, and they want you to not talk. I knew it. I knew they would come to this day. All right. So, I think that's good enough for the plot... The major plot point-free discussion... Go see it if you haven't seen it. It's fantastic. Let's let's give our ratings now for the people who are going to check out and don't want to hear the, the twist, so to speak. Um, I don't know about you, but I would give this nine decibels out of ten. Um, it's not it's not a, it's not like a, a Citizen Kane. It, it is what it is. It's a thriller, but it's one of the more thoughtful and I think applicable and inspiring ones I've ever heard. It's also super clever. On a rewatch, I could see this becoming uh, even higher, but I'd give it a nine on first watch. Yeah, I give it a uh, nine misplaced nails. Yes, I think it's. <laughs> I think it is very much. Uh, there's very. I mean, the only other thing that that even comes up. I'm not a big horror genre person, like you said. And I, again, like, is this a horror movie or not? I mean, I suppose people could debate. But just the sort of like where where half of the point or more is to sort of like surprise you or to have you on the edge of your seat or whatever. Uh, I can't think of one that I think even matches up to it, except The Witch a while ago. So, like, yeah, I think it's nine easy. And uh, it's like you said, um, maybe over more viewings, you know, who knows. But, yeah, it was it's really good, and people should go watch it. I was very impressed. Yeah, and I want to say that I think the closest analog I've ever seen would be the movie Signs, which superficially shares a lot, but I think it's it's a much superior film. I don't know about oh, that. Oh, yeah, it's like... And, it's, and I'll discuss that in yeah. spoilers, too. We'll get okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, you, no, you're absolutely right. I, I can see where people would think Signs, but whereas Signs is plotting and... Uh, I think I can smell Mel Gibson uh, losing it with to, to alcoholism while watching that show. Uh, this one is, uh, is is tight, perfectly placed. Acting is incredible. Go see it. How dare you insult Mel Gibson on my podcast? Dude, he was not. He was <laughs> he was not doing well in Signs. Like you could just tell. So All right. Well, okay. So so I'm gonna do the Wayne's World Scooby Doo music, and then we're gonna go spoilers. Fantastic. All right. Spoilers, Bo. Let's talk about Signs first, which I will also spoil. It's, what, 20 years old now? So I think yeah. I'm good. I, re- I think I like Signs more than you. Uh, I have not seen it in a long time. But it was the last Shalomalamalan movie that I really uh, gave yeah. myself over to, so I'm kind of biased towards it. Nevertheless, the the uh, the twist in Signs of water being the the weakness right. is, is hilariously stupid and you can find great, great memes uh, to just laugh yourself silly about that on the right. interwebs. In this movie, the twist is not stupid at all. It makes perfect sense, you know. Yes. But I don't think it, and I don't, and I, I think they intended it to be a little more of a surprise than it actually was. I don't know about you, but I was kind of, kind of waiting from very early on to say, well, you just, you just can just overwhelm their, their super sensitive hearing, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and, and and so on that one, the, the, if you're talking about like the few notes I have to a movie, I just like threw a nine at. Yeah. Um, yeah, like once it happened once, you're kind of like, oh, that's probably going to be, you know, like yeah. So now the uh, uh, the hearing aid that is her her dad made for her is going to be, 
you know, this sort of, like, talisman object that defeats them. So, like you said, I think they were trying to, like, make that more suspenseful, but the kind of, I don't know how you don't give that away the first time the creature leaves because of the feedback, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah, no, and I would rather have them telegraph it so that it makes more sense than just hide the ball and it's, like, deus ex machina, but... um, I guess it, within the plot, it makes more sense for her because she's deaf, so it might not occur to her exactly what's going yeah. on as quickly. No, agreed, agreed. Um, but the way they had like the whiteboard in the background, where it said weaknesses, you know, like I just yeah. I feel like these two, this mom and dad, are smarter than that. And when they have that first instance of of knowing how the the alien the other fled, that they would have figured it out quicker, or at least that they would have tried this at some point in the past. Like, what what weakness could a super hearing uh, being have? You know? Yeah. So that that is kind of stupid, but uh, I don't care because I loved everything else so much. Yeah, I don't know how they have electricity either, but like those yeah. are two forgi- those are two forgivable things, right? Like you know they can't take away everything, so you're like, okay, fine, that works. Uh, but yeah, at least like the like you said, it, it wasn't like swing away like my dead wife said while she was dying <laughs> at the water, you know. So you're you know. ruining my childhood, Bo. Stop it, <laughs> stop it. Yeah, okay, it's okay. fine. Um, I wanted to say one other thing, and I know I forgot it. It'll come back in three. Two, one. Ah, yes, there it is. So, I'm a, you know, I'm an easy cry, which uh, my brother Tim a lot of times makes fun of me, although I've seen him weep many times too. Um, but in movies, especially movies uh, that portray father-daughter relationship for some reason, and, uh, you know, the, the moment when uh, Jim from The Office really, you know, when he says, I love you, I've always loved you, I mean, I was just, I lost it. I thought it was just beautiful. Well, you know, and I, I, yeah, no, that was a great one. I'm actually impressed how they showed the dad dealing with the kids fighting with him, and there was it was so realistic, right? So it's like headstrong, defiant, you know. Uh, I mean, and I'll, I'll be quite frank, right? Like, so she's deaf, and like, so she kind of feels like in a world where everybody's been crapped upon, she's especially been crapped upon, sure, yeah. and she feels guilty, like you know, is she the one who got her brother killed? And so, like, that sort of and it's great, right, how you can imagine a child would see the dad as, like, taking it out on her. Yeah. But he but he can't believe, you know, but he's, like, you know, he himself dealing with that grief is like, no, what are you talking about? And so it takes this great moment of sacrifice to, to, to show that. And then the, this, the son, right, being, like, scared because he saw his, his brother, uh, you know, get killed. And, and, of course, he thinks it was his fault, too, right? Because presumably they went into town because he was sick right. in the opening stuff. I just thought that they did actual a dad and children fighting in a realistic way that wasn't, like, stupid or bombastic. Exactly. And so, like you said, I, I, I'm impressed by how they were able to pull that off, too. And it's uh, it's refreshing to see an example of a competent, loving, stern, but not uh, overbearing father presented in a movie right and and again in contrast to you know in the golden age there was always that porcelain father who is all you know stoic and perfect but uh, yeah. a very realistic uh, parenting that anyone could could find inspiration so yeah i mean i just i loved it i, I can't wait to uh, I, want, I really want to show the catholic movie gal this movie but she hates all horror movies which is why i'm very careful not to call it a horror movie in front of her yeah, yeah, that's, and that's i don't true. think it is i really don't i think it's, no. it's there's some jump scares uh 
just you know as you would expect in a movie like this. But the it's monsters not... are freaky. I'll give yeah. you that. The monsters are. But it's like, it's more like... of a it's more of a Stranger Things vibe from the monsters than uh, something truly horrific. You know. Well, and then the other okay, can we talk really quick about like just how epically dumb? Like literally, they shoot a gun once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and and so. I mean, I really was. I don't know about you. I, if you read that, I think like Huffington Post or whatever. And I'm all like, okay. Well, I subscribe, so yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I'm all no, like, I'm thinking that like we're gonna see an arsenal. And I, I guess I could have believed it, right? Like you know, he's surviving, so he's like going and collecting stuff. But absolutely not. It was like <laughs> once. And then I, I thought it was interesting too that they made the choice, right? They killed the one monster, and of course the gunshot is attracting them from all over. And then it's like, you know, the dad made the sacrifice, but now it's the strong mom and the strong daughter who are going to assume, you know, presumably finish them off. Right. And then, and they end that. And I thought, like, what a great, because like, there's nothing gained by showing them blasting multiple monsters, right? Right. I, that that to me shows you that uh, John Krasinski has, as a director, and whoever wrote the script just understands economy of storytelling because they're. Like, what What are you going to do? Like, kill them all off and show them, like, holding its head up? Or 20 years later and everyone's talking again? No, yeah, no like, I, I just, it was perfect. I was I was very impressed of the restraint they showed, uh, even though the NRA paid every cent to make this movie. And But that then again, it's like, in contrast to, you know, like, they, they uphold traditional gender roles, basically, without any explicit, uh, you know, like, agenda there. Because it's right. just natural. But... They also transcend them in a way that, or, you know, transcend the stereotypes of them, I should say, in exactly. a way without beating you overhead in contrast to, say, like, The Last Jedi, which is like, everyone in power is a woman because that's the, you know, just in a stupid way. This is this is a much more empowering movie for daughters and mothers than, than that, and yet you don't even notice it, which is which is how you know it's good. Um, yeah, and, and the son, you know, it's fine. Like, he, yeah, like, it, so yeah, the, the son's holding the baby at the end, but it's not like... Bam, bam! It's just like, yeah, he—that's yeah. what he's like. But he, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that, like, and you, when you brought up homeschooling, right? As someone who homeschools, it's funny. You almost want to like show this movie to people to be like, look, it's not like we're all weird. Like, exactly not everybody's right. like using an abacus and like, uh, you know, uh, have like their Star Trek collection or I don't know what people think, right? I'm like, yeah, like, have you have you seen my house? That's weird. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> but I mean, like, my daughters are probably more strong will. Well, yeah, like. Yeah. They're, they're all they're all strong-willed in different ways, but like, there's plenty of uh, uh, girls at the homeschool, uh, you know, things we do together that that beat up and wail on the boys, right? Exactly. Like it's right. not what people act like. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, just a just a great movie, and uh, I'll be watching it again very soon. I hope with my wife. So. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to try to make uh, make that work out too. So, so do you that, guys babysit? Can we send the kids off to? Yeah, yeah, we'll St. just Louis? we'll go. We'll just like send send the wives on vacation with the kids, and we'll just have like a movie marathon. So we get a few yeah. you know a few dozen podcasts in the can. I think that's very reasonable. <laughs> um, but really, go see Isle of Dogs. That'll be our next one, I think, and hopefully oh, yeah. in the next two weeks or so. I'm going to do that. It sounds good. All right, man. Thank you, Bo, as always. Until next time, I'm the Catholic Movie Guy, and I'm out.